Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. I assume most of you would know the great Roger Federer, one of the greatest ever tennis players. I hear he's a Catholic, so I want you to imagine that he walks in right now and he sits right here next to Robbie. <laughs> Robbie's blushing. <laughs> what would you do? What do you think we would do? We would look, wouldn't we? We'd look. We'd be kind of nudging the person next to him. Roger, Roger. <laughs> wouldn't we? What if um, instead of Roger it was our Prime Minister? Scott Morrison, not so happy about rock, nah. <laughs> what about Ed Sheeran or Lady Gaga or um, Bill Gates? Even if we didn't particularly like them, we would probably do the same thing. We'd be, we'd be curious, wouldn't we? We would look, we'd be drawn to them. All of these people, of course, are kings in their own respective domains and something in the human psyche seems to be drawn to kings, to people who have power and influence and authority. I want to propose today that we're not only drawn towards kings, but we are actually wired to need a king, someone with authority, someone to reassure us and inspire us and lead us to our fullest life. The people in the Old Testament, God's people, knew this. And at one point, they demanded God for a king. And so God gave them a king. In fact, he gave them a whole line of kings over a succession, over a long period of time. And when the kings uh, obeyed God's command, when they led the people faithfully, and when people listened to the kings, everyone flourished. Everyone experienced the very fullest of, of, of God's blessings. You know, we also see this deep human need coming out of many of the great legends and the stories. Think of King Arthur or uh, Lord of the Rings or, or uh, the Lion King. I mean, there's so many I could mention. Each of these stories, they celebrate a king who has overcome the forces of evil and that made it possible, provided the conditions for everyone to flourish. You see, we need a king and whether we realise it or not, we will always find some kind of king to follow and to adore. It might be our, our favourite athlete or actor or musician or, or business leader. Our king can even be some kind of material possession. Ever heard the expression, cash is king? <laughs> Has cash ever been your king? <laughs> you know, uh, in the Old Testament at times, when, God, when the people strayed from God, they would literally adore and worship idols. They, they made idols out of precious metals and stone and they would, they would treat it like, like their king. Thousands of years later, we've evolved in all kinds of ways, but we haven't necessarily evolved much in that area, have we? <laughs> what we often forget is that all of the kings that we look to are actually just pointing to our desire for the king, for the king who is beneath all the other kings. 
In today's gospel, Jesus makes it very clear who this king is. He says, it's me. He'd been hiding it for a while, but he was about to go onto his throne, which of course is the cross. And then he makes it very clear for everyone to know, I am the king. I am the authority that your heart is longing for. I am the one who will lead you into your very fullest life. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's to make Christ your king, your Lord, your ultimate authority, the one who governs every area of your life, the one that you ultimately rely on, the one that you look to for guidance and inspiration. There is no other way to be a Christian. That's why we end the liturgical year with this feast. Everything that we do throughout the year is supposed to lead us to this moment where we humbly submit to Christ as our ultimate authority. So as we approach the end of our liturgical year, I'll put it to you, is Christ your king? Now it's helpful for us here to remember that we're not just talking about the human Jesus who walked 2,000 years ago, right? We're talking about Jesus who is also the Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the final king. He's the king of all the kings. The Alpha and the Omega, as we heard in the second reading today, the one who has existed from all time, that's your king. Jesus is saying today that mine is not a kingdom of this world. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm not like any other king. I want to, you know, the disciples had this idea that Jesus as their king would be, you know, would just make their life better, would free them from the Romans, would, you know, enable them just to do what they want to do, to to flourish again. But Jesus is saying, I haven't just come to make your life better. I want to take you into a whole new kingdom. (laughs) A whole, I want to bring a whole new layer of meaning and hope to your life. I want to give you access to a whole new power. I want to show you a whole new way of being human. What Jesus is saying here, what he's declaring today, is that there is no comparison to the kingdom that I can lead you into. Now, I can imagine when his disciples saw this moment, when they witnessed Jesus declaring finally that he was the king, they must have been excited because they'd been waiting for him, right? They'd been waiting for him to confirm that, yes, I am the king. I'm the one that will deliver you. It was all a bit vague until that moment. So when they heard it, they must have thought, oh, yes, he is the one. Thank God. We've been following the right guy. But at the same time, they must have been a bit nervous. Because if Jesus really was the king, that meant that now they needed to fully submit to his authority. That meant following his lead. That meant laying down their life in the love of service of others, just as he commanded them to do. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, of course, they were already following Jesus, weren't they? They'd been on the road with him. They'd been listening to him. They'd been following him. But they weren't yet really all in, if you know what I mean. right? They hadn't really given it all to Jesus yet. We, we know a bit what that's like, don't we? <laughs> We know that sometimes there are some situations in our life where we listen and we follow Jesus and then there are some situations that we don't. 
We know that there are some areas of our life that we're very happy to invite Jesus into, and there are some areas of our life that we just kind of shut the door, put a double lock on, bolt, close it all up. Sorry, this is not for you, Jesus. (laughs) We know that, right? We don't always fully submit to his governance, do we? We don't always trust him with every part of our life. When I realised this for myself, it brought about such a massive, massive change in my life. I'd been hearing about St. Ignatius of Loyola. He He talks about the three responses to Christ. He says the first kind of guy, the first response is that that person that says, yes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make you my king, Jesus. But tomorrow, let me just do this first and I'll get to it tomorrow and then tomorrow comes. Oh, no, hang on, tomorrow. That's the first response. The second response is that, you know, the person that says, yes, I'm going to follow you. And, and actually, they do. You know, 95% of their life is given to the Lord and really following and serving and praying. But there's sort of 5%. Just, just this 5%, Lord, just keep under here for me, you know, like it's my finances or my relationships or, what, you know, whatever it may be. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, man, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And then Ignatius says, oh, there's the third response, and that's the one that gives it all. It says, take, Lord, receive everything. You've given it all to me, so I just give it all back to you. I trust it back to you. Give me only your love and your grace. That's enough for me. When I heard that, I knew. I knew who I was and I knew what I needed to do. You see, for Jesus to be king, he needs to be the king of all parts of our life. Otherwise, he's not the king at all. Maybe he's a consultant. Come to him as a consultant from time to time, but but he's not our king. Now, I know that many of us, we want to follow Christ, right? It's not that we're kind of, you know, intentionally disregarding Jesus. We believe that Christ is the best king that we could ever, ever hope for. But in the midst of our busy lives, we can actually easily become blind to our need for the king. We can get so caught up in our day-to-day activities that we just get used to taking control of the reins of our life, don't we? And what happens is deep down, we start believing that we actually don't need the king. We can work it out. You know, I can work it out myself. I'm pretty brilliant. I've got the resources I need. In other words, we become our own king, right? We just look to Christ as our consultant from time to time. Help me here, help me there, guide me here. The rest I'll work out. What happens when we think in this way is that spiritually we build a wall around our hearts. We build our own little kingdom. And that wall prevents the real king and the real kingdom coming into our lives. So how, how do we break out of our own little small kingdoms? How do we make Christ our king? Well, there's one sure way, and that is to obey the king. Jesus said today, all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. In other words, you know that I am your king when you do what I command you to do. When you follow my lead as king of the kingdom, If we want Christ to be our king, we need to be constantly listening and learning from Christ and doing our very best to live according to how he governs us. And and not just in some areas of our life, but but in all aspects, in all areas. In our friendships, for example. Making Christ our king means that we stop engaging in gossip. 
We stop judging others and instead we become a force of compassion, as Jesus was. A force of unity. I've written a little bit about that in, in, in the bulletin today. I encourage you to have a read of that letter. In the way that we spend our time, making Christ our King means that instead of spending hours on TikTok and uh, YouTube and Netflix, we invest time regularly to, to, to grow in our faith, to read, to, uh, to serve others. To use our gifts and use our time as a way of becoming better human beings. With our finances, making Christ our king means that we have a plan for how we share the resources that God has given us. Not that we just, oh, here and there when I feel like it, I'll give some money here. But we have a plan. God's given me this. How can I steward this for you, Lord? How can I support the poor? How can I um, develop the, the mission of the church with what you've given me? In the area of our sexuality, making Christ our king means that we realise that our bodies are not just for our own gratification. Our sexuality is a precious and a holy way that we express our committed love to another. Is Christ the king of all the areas of your life? Does he shape how you live each of them out? Now, the truth is that none of us do this perfectly. But the key thing is that we keep asking God for the grace to do our best, to, to want to uh, submit ourselves to Christ as the King. The simple promise of Christianity is that the more that we put ourselves under the King, the more we will flourish. And for anyone who has had the grace to do that, you know that's true, don't you? That there's no flourishing like when we give ourselves to, to Jesus and when we do our best to live out his way. So on this feast of Christ the King, I want to invite you to say yes to Christ being your king, to make a yes from your own heart. Every time we do that, we weaken the walls around our heart that keep the true king out of our life. You might just think of one area of your life that you want to bring under the rule of Christ. Maybe it's that kind of area you've been keeping away from him. And perhaps today you can say yes to Christ being the king of that area too. To help you to do that, we've uh, printed some little prayers uh, written by Ignatius of Loyola uh, based on that third response that I mentioned before and the song we're about to sing. And I want to encourage you on the way back from communion, we might move that microphone later and just grab one. And you might just pray that when you go back, you're sitting with the presence of the Lord within you, you might make that heartfelt surrender to God and ask him to be your king. Surrender, submit to his kingship. You can say that prayer regardless of what is going on in your life. You just need to pray it with intent. Pray it consciously from your heart. There's so much that we get consumed with in our lives, but today's feast reminds us that in a hundred years' time, what will really matter is whether you allowed Christ to be your king. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.